Okay. The buildup. Final buildup, baby. The breakdown. <laughs> the absolute breakdown mentally, physically, emotionally. Of the past two months. Of the past two months. <laughs> yeah. It's been a wild ride since we last recorded. Yeah. Honestly, I, I feel like even just like having to skip recording in January just because I was in a pretty pretty negative space then. And I really appreciate you respecting not uh, not making me talk about it when I was in the midst of broken kneecaps and everything. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of this journey is mm-hmm. like you were in survival mode yeah, at that God. point and mm-hmm. it wasn't, you weren't in a place to share publicly. And I think that's a hundred percent. Okay. And yeah, well, even like, because how it went about is I think I was like, telling myself that I was going to be okay to talk about it. And you were so under, you were like, I really want to respect you. I don't want to do it. I'm like, no, like, it'll be okay. We'll release it after trials, like whatnot. And then it got to the day of the recording. And I was like, I absolutely cannot do this right now. And then I think I dropped out probably three days later. Yeah. Yeah. That was about the timeline. Mm. But I mean, just to see like in the past two months, there's been some really highs and big lows Mm. and just where you are right now towards the end of February, just you're in such like a place of, I feel like optimism and strength. And Mm. it's been just amazing. Like that's something I've said to you throughout this process as I feel like you have this Phoenix rising energy, which is like things can burn quick, but things can also ignite fast. And so it's like, there's been some real, you know, heartbreak in the past Mm. two months, but then also to see how resilient you are Mm. and how I feel like 2024, yes, you're not going to the Olympics in the marathon, but there's going to be so much ahead. Yeah. It's been so interesting because it's like that going through the whole experience of breaking my kneecap and going on this like month long, like journey of trying to like make trials happen. And then it obviously wasn't going to happen and having to come to terms with that, I feel like was such an intense experience, but also something that like, I always hate that of like, it happened for a reason. Like, but I think it was a real growth experience. Like I needed to grow the fuck up a little bit. And that was kind of, it almost felt like that was this big step forward that I had to take um, in order to do that. That's interesting. I almost, when you say like, I had to grow, like what parts of you do you feel like you had to grow or what? I think a lot of the last few years, specifically since the last Olympics, has been kind of an instruction of like letting go of these like pillars in my life that I'd kind of held up as like, these are things that I have to have in order to be able to function. Like things that I really rely on heavily to like regulate myself. And running has always been that. Like I, running for me has a lot of times been this thing where it's like, it's not an, I want to do this. It's like, I have to do this in order to just be okay. And going through this real process of like letting go and letting go of this identity of myself of, an Olympic marathoner and letting go of even just like, I have to do these certain things every single day in order to be okay. If that makes sense. It was this real, like get down to basics of like who I am, what am I doing? What, why am I doing this even? I think it was like that a little bit of like going through this process of like, man, like I'm working this hard because like I truly like want to be here. And then also realizing sometimes wanting something 
does is no guarantee that it's going to happen. Sometimes you can work really, really hard and you can want something really, really badly and you don't get it. And that's just life. Yeah. I'm wondering if we can back up a little bit Mm -hmm. because there's been so much that's happened in the past two months, especially like with your physical health. Mm -hmm. And the last time we recorded, it was in December. It was Mm -hmm. right before Grindfest. You were in, you know, in heavy marathon training. Yeah. How did things fall apart? And tell me like (laughs) what happened in your body to Mm -hmm. a point where you were like, Hey, I actually can't run right now. So Mm -hmm. just take me through that. Yeah. It's so wild because I think in marathon training, you normalize feeling like shit so much that I realize now I was not paying attention to the cues of what was happening. So what I now know in hindsight is that I broke my kneecap at some point in December. Um, I'm, I think I know when it happened um, during a fall, um, not even on ice, which is the worst part. It was just like over my own two dumb feet. But continuing to train and just normalizing this feeling of like my knees hurt all the time and hurt really, really badly in training. It had been something that I had been managing pretty much like through the entire build, but also being like, that's marathon training. I'm supposed to feel sore all the time. So went home for Christmas. I think last time we talked was when I was in Chicago, did grind fast, grind fast felt good, but knees hurt the next day. Can I I pause you for a moment? Yeah. So knees hurting is like a very typical thing that I feel like runners say. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more when you mean like we're both of them hurting equal amounts? Like I all no. of this meaning I 100% believe you're hurt. Yeah. Them. There's not any of that, but like yeah. just describe to me a little bit when you mean like it hurts, would it ever just get better during the course of the run? Was it like horrible all? No. So the weird thing is, that, so I broke my left patella. My right knee was the one that was like excruciatingly painful. Like it would hurt during runs, it would hurt after runs. And I just kind of figured, I'm like, this is soreness. Um, mm. But I get very, very good at like pushing down. Like you normalize the sensation. I normalize it, yeah. And so even little things like it hurt to go up and down stairs, but I'm like, oh, that's marathon training. And now I'm like, you dumb bitch, that is not marathon training. And, but it was mainly my right knee that was really giving me a lot of grief. Like I was having to really heavily manage that. And my left knee, I didn't feel a whole lot of pain, but what I realize now is I just wasn't even bending it or moving it. Like it was so restricted and it was guarding itself. And so basically what happened is I long ran with Kellen Taylor on the day before Christmas and I like could not go up and down stairs afterwards. Like I was having to like hobble around the house and it was like kind of this inkling of like, ooh, my body doesn't feel good. Um, And then even then, like, came back to Flagstaff and training was going okay. Like, I was doing workouts, but my body just felt really, really off, like, really stiff. Um, And it was just kind of that thing where I'm like, oh, I'm just deep in training, like, running big mileage, running big workouts, and continually pushing down these sensations that I should know better now to pay attention to. And that, like, I just was never feeling good after workouts, and basically, I did a double T day on, it was that first week. It was like week. the first or second week of January. Yeah, it had to have been the first week of January. It was like a Tuesday, and then Wednesday was like JB, yeah. Exactly. So I did this double T workout, and I felt bad afterwards. Went down to see John Ball down in Phoenix, and went for this run on the canal. And it was supposed to be a 14-mile run, so I went seven miles out, hit the turnaround, and I was like, hmm, left knee feels a little weird. That's new. And over the course of the next sub, like seven miles, 
it was this like I watched myself like devolve like it got to the point where I was like having to like walk run because I was in so much pain like searing sharp pain on my left side and being like what the hell is this and like almost crying by the end of the run it hurt so bad and I didn't run again after that like next day just physically couldn't walk and we did that for about a week of being like, oh, we'll just see if it'll get better. I think John was like trying to stay positive, like just rest like three days. We'll come back to it. It'll be okay. And then each time it's like, nope, push that back, push that back. Still can't walk, still can't do anything. We got an MRI and yeah, showed broken patella, broken or uh, torn patellar tendon on the left. Um, was anything happening on the right or was mostly... We didn't get an MRI on the right. I don't fucking want to know. But what I'm guessing now, it's it's pretty bad bilateral um, patellar tendonitis as well. Like just chronic on both sides. And that's some of that, like me normalizing, like my knees are just so sore. It's like, no, bitch, like you have real, real tendonitis on there. When you say broke, do you mean like a full fracture, a stress fracture? Like, what does that mean? So they said it was a healing fracture on the patella, which is why it had to have happened earlier in December. Like, it had been healing for a few weeks, but what we're guessing happened is everything tightened up around it to guard it. That's why that left knee wasn't bending. And then the patella tendon just, like, really tore, like, trying to deal with the strain on the knee. So... Your yeah. body's incredible. Like, just to think, like, even with all I don't, that. I, I appreciate that that's your takeaway from this rather than Molly is a psychopath, but thank you. But just that your body, like, you kept, like, your body was kept moving. Mm-hmm. Like, but, despite all of the, like, the function and the structure completely breaking down. But I think that this is, like, a really good learning lesson for me. And it's been a great learning lesson for John as well of just, like, because... I have a real problem of like being able to like regulate, like be able to say when I'm in pain because I like kind of come from like a history of like anytime you say something's hurting, it's taken as like weakness. And so I don't say something's hurting until it's really, really hurting. And so John has had to learn of like, oh, like if Molly's saying consistently, my knees are sore, my knees are sore, my knees are sore, that means something's really, really wrong because as we're now learning, it's like, oh, it's not just knees are stiff and sore. It's something is really going wrong in there. And we need to address that ASAP before it gets to the point where, yeah. It's a code red. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a good learning, like learning experience from here on out that it's like, I've always associated marathon training with just being in pain, being super tired, being like being so physically exhausted that you can't move and being so in pain that you basically can't move. And that's not how it should be. And I think that's a real paradigm shift that I need to take forward from this. Like if I want to keep doing this another 10 years. Yeah. Do you feel like the women around you who are at your level, do you feel like some of them have similar or different mentality to you around that kind of living with chronic pain? I think it really depends. I, I think I'm probably more to the end of the bell curve on that one. And I think a little bit of it, I think it does come from a place of insecurity of like, I don't see myself as a talented runner. Um, and I know people listening to this are going to be like bullshit, but like I, phys- I, like, I truly don't see myself as someone who's like naturally talented at this sport. I see myself as like a grinder that like, I have to be willing to work 10 times harder than anybody else in order to get ahead. And 
that mentality has consistently gotten me injured throughout my entire career. And I think that like going back to what we said at the top of the podcast, like I really need to change that. And like, that's something where like, I need to look at myself in the mirror and like call myself out and be like, if I want to keep doing this sport, I can't, I can't do that for another decade because I won't last that long. It's not sustainable. And so trying to find a way to deal with that insecurity in a different way um, or overcome it and actually respect the limits of my body, I think is going to be really important. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of at the crux of what this breakdown has actually Mm -hmm. been showing you and teaching you, Yeah, which is like, there's going to be a new way forward for you Mm -hmm. in relating to your body and training Yeah, in order to do it sustainably for as a marathoner. Yeah. It does feel like a real transition. I think this last month has been that a little bit of just realizing like, oh, like I've got to change everything about how I go forward. And I think there's no, like, I think ultimately like failure is a really good way to teach yourself hard lessons. Like, cause you don't like, if I had just gone and everything had gone swimmingly and I make the team, I think I keep doing that thing and I'm out of the sport in a couple of years. And it's like, it takes a little bit of the hindsight to realize the the blessing that a failure can be because it teaches you the thing that you need to learn. Like, I think the universe is going to keep giving you the same lesson over and over until you learn it. And this is like my thing of just like, oh yeah, like I'm going to keep hurting myself until I learn this lesson. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back in time again to the MRI results because mm-hmm. I think this is like just the chronology of this can be really impactful for people. Mm-hmm. So you got that MRI, tells you like your knee's completely a mess. Mm-hmm. What were your feelings at that time? Did you feel like, okay, I'm still going to be able to make this team? How many weeks out was that from February 3rd? So that was a month out from February 3rd. Um, I got the call about the MRI results and... I had about five minutes where I just sat on the couch and kind of was like, okay, yeah, like it's over. And then I called John and I told him and he came over to my house and we sat there for a bit and our mentality was not, we're going to make this work at all costs. It was, well, we've already had to let go of what we thought this was going to be. Like it's what we thought the marathon was going to be is done. We are going to try over the next month to get this knee healthy, to cross train, to keep fitness. And we're going to see if we can make it to the line and use that as our goal Um, and realize that it's a long shot, but I would rather try and not like rather try and know that I gave everything I possibly could to get to the line rather than give up right now. Cause it's like, it's already gone. Like might as well, might as well see what we can make of this experience. And it felt very different from how it's been in the past. Like I had a, um, I've had times in the past where I just kind of blindly kept moving forward out of like, out of fear or I don't know, obsessiveness. And I felt like this time was very different in that I was able to kind of rationally look at the situation. And John was able to like work with me on this of being able to be like, yeah, like, we're just going to make this situation what it's going to be. And it's going to be emotionally very tough, but ultimately the experience is going to be a valuable one. And I think it was like, honestly, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. It was a really 
hard and challenging month of cross training. Oh my God. You and saw it firsthand. <laughs> yeah, lots of time on elliptical. I feel like I would call you every day and I'd be like, how's it going? And you're just like, I'm on the go. I'm on the go. You just hear in the background, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And you're like, oh my God. I watched so much Netflix in that month. <laughs> I know. I was also just imagining you that picture of you and you're on the elliptical out on your porch in your like onesie or your muumuu. I was, every time I'd be like, she's just in her muumuu right now. Oh my God. I was in the office. Luckily I wasn't psycho enough to put it out on the patio, but, um, yes, there was a lot of elliptic going. I, my mentality was, um, I was going to Parker Valby the shit out of this thing. And I was like, I'm going to make the Olympic team off of only ellipticaling. And yeah, no, I don't know how that girl does it. She's built different. Like, <laughs> and did you seek any medical help? Like in that month time, did you see any doctors? Mm-hmm. Like who was kind of guiding you physically? Yeah. So we actually had an incredible team that was trying to help. Um, Wes Gregg up at Hypo was the one that helped me get the MRI. And then kind of my main go-tos in that time were um, uh, AJ Beach, who's the physio um, out here for the Dark Side team, and John Ball were like my ride or dies. They put in so much work to try and just like so much brain space, so much work to try and get me there. I think I spent like... I went down to Phoenix for like multiple days on it and there were like multiple eight hour days down in JB's office and AJ was like calling around to people and like trying to just find something to to get me to work. And I, I'm so grateful for just like people who are willing to like, like just go to the well for me. Same thing. John devoted so much brain space to all of this. Um, and then I actually went out to Colorado um, consulted with the Stedman Clinic out there um, that the USOPC, so the U.S. Olympic um, Committee, gives us access to some doctors, was able to consult with them. And then I um, saw a doctor, Dr. John Hughes, who did a PRP and stem cell injection into my patellar tendon two weeks before the trials to try and see if we could get it healed up enough. Um and there was a bone spur coming off of my patellar tendon at that point that they had to, he had to knock off and remove. Um, I didn't know about the bone spur. Oh, what, yeah, how do they knock off a bone spur? Just with a, like a needle oh my gosh, in there. Stop it. Yeah. It was pretty gnarly. Cause um, I talked to you after and you like couldn't walk. Yeah. It was fucking brutal. I like, it was so sad too, because I was like trying to like get in and out of the car and like, I physically couldn't bend my, it was so swollen. And I went to, um, the grocery store to try and go get flowers for my aunt who I was staying with. And I was like trying to walk across the parking lot and a woman came and helped me because she was just like, honey, like you can't go in like this. But yeah, I was on crutches for a few days. Um, and ultimately the procedure I think was really, really important because I needed that. Like my patellar tendon feels so much better right now. And I don't think I would have gotten that kind of healing without the procedure. It's just, we didn't have enough time. Like, it was such a long shot of like trying to get it ready in time and just, it wasn't able to heal up enough in time. And I'd lost like, just like the fitness that I'd lost trying to like let it heal up just couldn't. I also think what was really intense about that time was like, you truly were taking it day by day. Like your decision to go to Colorado was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. one day before you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I think just maybe people wouldn't understand like when you're in such a critical period of time like that, when Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I have now two weeks left to this race. Yeah. You truly were making decisions about what you're doing with your body on a day-to-day basis. It's not like you had a long-term plan. Literally. And that was even it. It was like, it was coming down to not like we had to figure out like the week of trials, whether or not it was going to happen. And like, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like found out that I could get in with this doctor, like 
on a Tuesday and I was literally there on a Wednesday. Tell us about the journey to get there. Oh my God. <laughs> and the, the next cat, that was the thing I wish I could have like, cause I was kind of keeping it all on the download. Didn't want to be like, so I'm in Colorado now, but I had an absolute travel nightmare going out there. So this doctor was up in basalt, um, Colorado and I was supposed to fly in there, trying to fly in um, to the Pitkin County Airport, which is one of the airports apparently with the most cancellations in the world. And a girl got on that. So I flew from Phoenix to Denver and then all the flights got canceled because there was a huge snowstorm. And I was like, I have to be in basalt tomorrow to get this procedure done. So I rented a car in Denver and was like going to drive up through the pass on I-70. This is usually a three and a half, four hour drive. I've done it a lot as a kid because we've got family up there. It took close to eight hours because they shut down the highway and it was one of the worst drives of my life. Like, <laughs> And you're like a hardy driver. Yeah. It was like, I feel very, very confident driving in snow. I've had some pretty gnarly drives on the I-70. This probably ranks in the top three worst drives of my life. I was actually, it's so funny because I was on the phone with Sarah Lords Butler from Runner's World because she was trying to do her like preview for the trials. And I'm like trying to actually, I'm like, it'll be even more suspicious if I don't do this interview. So I'm on the phone with her and my car hit a skid coming out of the Loveland Pass. And I'm on the phone just like very calm and being like, oh, oh shit, sorry, Sarah. Sorry, I think I'm about to go under the guardrail. Oh no, oh no, there's a semi about to hit me. Oh, like... I avoided it through the skin of my teeth of like going off the side of the road on the I-70. Like it was like bad. I know when you told me about that drive the next day, I was just like, oh my God, first off, I'm so happy you're still alive. <laughs> and like the lengths you will go to, like it's like, mm-hmm. we, were, we were talking before this episode about like the idea of superpowers. Mm-hmm. Is it's like, I feel like one of your superpowers is it's like you will make a no a yes. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like it was so interesting though because like I was so calm throughout the entire, like you weren't, I wasn't stressed at all, but like, it, I th- I was like driving up through as I'd like, cause they also like couldn't get me a rental car. Like the guy at the rental office had to like wheeling deal to get me this car because I was supposed to be picking up a car like up, like up like in the mountains, yeah. not in Denver. And I was so calm throughout all of it. I'm like, oh, this is why I do therapy because I could just handle this shit now. Like Ooh. in the past, I feel like that would have like overwhelmed me. And I'm like, no, I got this. And then it's like, they shut down the level and pass and I just have to sit on the highway for three hours. And I'm like- it's all good. And then it's like hitting this kid coming out of love and pass. I'm like, we got this. The therapist in me loves this. I know. I was like, I, I was just like, oh, like this is why you do it because you could, you just have like a greater capacity to handle like all of the, the crazy shit that just goes wrong. It's just like, no, I'm going to figure it out. Also, I feel like there was so many other things going wrong in those weeks that you were like, this is just a part of, this is just, of course this is happening. Exactly. It was just like, I was just rolling with it. It was like after everything that had happened, it was just like after my life felt like it was crumbling, I'm just like, you know what? We got this. We can, we can handle, girl, you are strong enough for this. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So you got the PRP injection. Mm -hmm got really swollen. Mm-hmm. You weren't really able to walk. You were in crutches for a couple days. Yeah. Two weeks out from the trials. Tell me about the week before the trials. What happened that week? Oh, the week before the trials was so tough because it was at that point, like the, the doc who I worked with up in Colorado, he had actually repaired my Achilles tendon back in 2017. And so he's pretty aggressive with like return to run on it. Like his whole theory is like, 
you need to keep moving it in order to get the mobility back. And he's like, okay, like you're going to know, like if you can't run consistently within like four or five days, you probably aren't going to be able to do this. It's going to need more time. And so four or five days came and went. Um, and I still wasn't able to run on it. I just, the mobility was so off in the knee that it was putting a lot of strain on the joint and it just hurt so bad. Um, so JB, I went down and he was just, he worked so hard. I felt so bad because I was like, he just went to the well and I came back up. I was able to do a four mile run and I, it was this like, just heartbreaking thing of like, I was supposed to fly out on a Tuesday. I pushed my flight back to a Wednesday and I'm like, I'm going to give it one day just to see. And yeah, I, I called up John and it was just having to be really realistic with the situation of like, we've worked so hard. We've tried so hard and we've tried everything. And I just can't run a marathon on this knee right now. I knew how much damage I was going to do and it would compromise any sort of healing that was going to go on the knee and compromise pretty much the rest of the year. Um, And yeah, it, yeah, that was honestly probably like one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, but also like, I felt like once I made the decision, I was really at peace with it. Like it was, I think it was almost the fear of what would happen with dropping out and just like the ramifications of it was almost worse than like, it it was like once I did it, it was this weight off of it's just like, man, like I can say that I tried everything. You almost like killed yourself in your car. I know, exactly. You almost like got killed. I almost flipped a rental car off the highway trying to get this knee fixed. I'm like, I can literally say I have like... Every single day I have done everything I could within that 24 hours to get this knee and get my body to the line here. I have cross-trained as hard as I can. I have tried to heal this thing as much as I can and it just wasn't enough. And I can't be mad at myself for just like coming up against the like biological reality of what the situation was. What were the emotions like after that four mile run or even on that run? Oh God, I went out to Walnut and I try, like it was just doing it. And it just, it felt, it felt so off. And I think that it is like, I've done enough healing over the last few years to know. I think, I think if this had been me four years ago, I would have gone and raced regardless. Like I would not have respected my body enough to do that. And I think- I've hit the point where I'm like, when I go to the line, I know how I want to feel in a race and how I need to feel in a race to, to run well. And I respect my body enough to know that how I feel right now is not, not, it's not respecting the growth that I've gone through to get to this point. And it would be doing a real disservice to like go to line knowing how much pain I'm in and how injured I am right now and try to force this. That's just a disservice to all of this. And it's like, and at the end of the day, it's like a little bit of a disservice to what I think the trials is about. It's like, if I'm going to show up at trials, I'm going to be on my A game. I'm not going to be limping my way along and know that I'm going to have to drop out at mile four because that's what it would have been. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to see that. Like when I show up to a race, I want to be on. 
And it's like, that's the growth that I've done. I'm done doing this thing where I'm just piecing together shit. Yeah. What did it feel like to tell your family that you weren't running in the trials? Oh, that was probably the worst part. Um, that, that was a really tough one. Um, Izzy knew for a long time. Uh, Izzy was probably the first one in my family that I told. Um, my parents took it hard. I think my mom, um, I was really scared to tell my mom um, just because my mom's got this real mentality of like, you don't give up and whatnot. And she really wanted me to go. And when I told her, I was like, John doesn't want me to go. I'm not going to go to Orlando. Um, that was a bit of a, um, just a, a really difficult moment. She actually apologized afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just tough. It meant a lot to me to like, I think so much of this too was like, they couldn't be there in Tokyo that like the thought of getting to like try and make a team and get them to see that, like see it and be there and like get to go to Paris after having to miss it and like miss out on sharing that experience four years ago. Like that honestly was like probably one of the biggest reasons that I kept going at this even after even after it like be- was becoming very clear that it wasn't going to happen, I was like, no, like, I have to keep trying to like do it and make this team. Um, yeah. I think that's deeply relatable though. I feel like mm-hmm. people's love and loyalty to their family and yours for your family is so deep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people in all different disciplines go to such lengths to like, yeah. to show up for their family, to make them proud, to yeah. be able to fulfill the dreams. I think it's that too. It's it's like, I felt like I was holding on to a lot of these things of like the expectations of like what I needed to be as like the returning Olympic medalist of like the expectations of people cheering for team USA, like the expectations of my family, the expectations of like, yeah, my coach and my teammates and like all this stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, you, you have to make the decision for yourself. It can't be for the other people around you. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to tell sponsors? That one was brutal. Cause it's like, there are just like realistic ramifications for not making a, a team or for dropping out of a race like that. Um, like I was real. I, I had a lot of fear around that. Um, and my sponsors were very, very understanding with the situation. Um, and I think it's that, that it's like partially like, I really want to make sure that I'm like getting healthy and able to race the rest of the year to be able to keep like showing that I'm like, man, like I'm working. Like it just sucks to feel like you put in all this work to something and there's just nothing to show for it because it's like the people don't see the hours of cross training. They don't see the medical procedures. They don't see the behind the scenes. They only see you on race day. And so being able to still provide value to the companies that support you through the good and the bad times, is really important to me. So it's like, still going to try to make the most of the rest of this year, not just because of sponsors, but it's like being a, like, like specifically like Puma has been so fucking supportive through all of this over the last four years. And so it's like continuing to show that it's like, man, like I want to just go and like pop off and like show them like, yeah, like we can do this. And like, like continuing to support people, even when like it's rough, like pays off. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. So the day of the trials, Mm -hmm. tell me, did you watch the race? What was going on for you? What did you do? Yeah. So I actually, I (laughs) I was like, 
I had been in Flagstaff after the dropout, just like kind of going crazy in my house because everybody was gone. They were all like trials. <laughs> and I hopped to my car and I drove up to my aunt's place in Carbondale um, where I'd been staying when I got my knee procedure. Um, and uh, for me, schema or like ski mountaineering has actually been really, really good on my knee. Like it doesn't hurt. It's been a good, just like rehab exercise for it. So like skiing for me has been this like very healing thing. So I'm like, screw it. Like if it's the one thing I can do, I'll go out and ski for a few days. You also have a background also in like skiing yes, at yeah, a pretty I, high level. Th- yeah. I was a skier way before I was a runner. I've been skiing since I was about two racing since I was six. So like I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm like uh, with running, I have no confidence. I'm a cocky ass motherfucker when it comes to skiing. Like I'm a good skier. Um, and so for me, that's like just a very like healing thing and I don't get to do it much. So I'm like, well, screw it. Might as well now. And so went out to Carbondale um, and was able to ski around Aspen because their uphilling policy is chef's kiss primo. And so on the day of trials, I actually like got up at like 4 a.m. or so, like went, like drove up Valley um, and then went to Snowmass. And so for the entirety of the race, I was actually out like, like ski mountaineering on Snowmass. And I didn't physically watch the race um, just because that was a little bit too much of like a knife in the heart. Um, but I was like basically following the live updates on the tracker um, and then texting John and calling John. Um, mostly I just wanted to know how Jessa and Adam were doing, but then also like my friends, I wanted to see how Kira is doing, like how Fiona is doing, how Dakota's doing, like all these girls that like, it was actually kind of nice that after I dropped out and after that weight was released, I was able to really feel excited for people. I think I was worried that it would be like this real jealousy of being like, man, they get to race, they get to do this thing. And it was almost like once I was able to let it go, I was able to really enjoy it as like this cool experience for all of these women. Like that's a huge thing for Jessa. It's her first marathon. Like she FaceTimed me while I was on the mountain. I was just like freaking out afterwards. Cause it's like, she's a, that's her first marathon. That's so exciting. And so it's stuff like that, that it's like, for me, I think I needed to get out of my little like wallowy pit of sorrow here in Flagstaff and like be moving my body in a way that felt good. Cause I think my brain just works better when I'm able to move my body in, in a, in a good way. Um, and yeah, it just, it released me a little bit of it. I felt like I was able to like be at peace with it. Mm. And how has it felt for you? I mean, anytime I look on my social media, it's like trials posts, mm. you know, how has it felt for you to just have so much media and about around the trials since then? Uh, so I just straight up stayed off Instagram the weekend of trials, which I felt kind of bad. Cause it's like, it was such an exciting weekend for Puma that I felt bad that I wasn't like reposting. And I hope people didn't think that I was like fucking sour grapes. Um, it was the kind of thing where I needed to get out of that. Um, I think Instagram and social media can be a little bit of a spiral sometimes. Um, but after after that weekend and after like texting all those guys and being able to actually like have conversations with the people who ran trials, like I think I needed to establish that first of like make the connections, send the texts, have the calls outside of social media because it's like, the comments on social media was like, you go girl, whatnot. It's such a superficial fucking thing that it's like, I'd much rather like actually send a message or like talk to the person. Um, Instagram has still continued to be a li- like, it's just a little bit tough. Like it's almost 
just seeing photos of the course and seeing photos of like the the pack and like people racing just makes me sad because I'm like, that's what I was really excited to do. I was really excited to just race. And I think that's the thing that I miss most about it, that it's like just the opportunity to get to be on that course on that day, doing that thing. Like that's where the sadness comes. Mm-hmm. Not even the thought of just like, oh, I could have burned up in that. It's like, it's just being like, man, like I really fucking love racing. And I'm like, God damn it. Like the, this is like my thing that I love doing. And yeah, it just wasn't, just wasn't for me. It wasn't that day. No. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool to me that you're kind of honoring and protecting your mental health in terms of social media mm-hmm. and just acknowledging like, okay, how much to use it right now mm-hmm. when I'm going to step away, when I'm going to engage with it. I think that's so mm-hmm. important. How has your mental health been feeling over the past month? It's, it's actually, but like, it's so weird because it's like, it's been way better than I would have assumed it had been just based on like everything that's happened. And I think that's it. It's like, the work that you do prepares you for the times when it's really tough. Like, I think it was actually really interesting, like talking to my therapist after all this went down and being just like, oh, like this is the first time in like a decade that I've been just like, okay. And it's so weird to think that I'm like, man, like, if I had the choice of like being in this place of like sickness and, and real like self-hatred that I've been in in the past and making the team or being in this place where I don't get to run the trials, but I get to be mentally healthy and going forward, knowing that like, man, I've got this and I know that I can approach the things with this sense of clarity. I'm like, I'd rather be mentally healthy rather than having the achievement and not being good. Because it's like, and I think it, I think it takes that experience of getting everything you wanted and still being miserable and hating yourself and realizing that it doesn't fix anything to realize that, oh, me running the Olympic trials doesn't change. And when you say that that past, like that was your experience in the past Olympics, you're saying yeah, not being mentally well. Exactly. Yeah. Make, you know, getting a medal, but still not feeling. Exactly. Being in this place where like, yeah, like my ED was bad and I got this incredible achievement, which, and like winning that medal was one of the happiest things in my life, but then coming home and realizing I'm like, oh, this didn't solve anything. And I'm still deep down this hole. And then going into the depression that I went into after it's like, it's the kind of thing where I, it's like, I, it's not this either or thing. It's not, oh, you get to be mentally healthy or you win a medal. It's, it's realizing it's like, oh, like I need to be mentally healthy going forward so that I can do these things again. Cause I don't want to go back to that place. Like achievement or not. It's like the achievement in and of itself almost becomes this addiction that you keep thinking, I think that's where the mentality that I was in the past, where it's like, oh, if I can just keep winning these things, keep making the teams, get another, uh, like, American course, like, all these things, just feed the beast, and then you don't have to slow down and be okay with who you are. And it's like, I feel like I'm finally in the place where I'm like, I'm okay with where I'm at. And I think it took a little bit of, like, yeah, you gotta, like, you have to lose the things and 
tease out your personality from the achievements, you have to be okay with like who you are underneath the achievements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of surrender. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel like you go from here? Like right now, physically, Mm -hmm. I know you did some short little runs. Mm -hmm. Like how is your body feeling and how do you shape this year, 2024? The, the exciting part now is that I've got nothing to lose. Like anything I do from here on out, it's like this big pillar that I'd been kind of looking towards for the last four years, that's gone. And I think so much of how I approach training or this past build, a little bit of it came from this place of like, don't try anything too new. Don't switch up too many things. Go off of what you know in an, like, in an effort to be like, okay, if we can just repeat all the things that we did last time, we'll make this team. And now it's like, well, shit, that's gone. And so now it feels like we get to have this real creativity. And we, I mean, me and my coach, John, we get to have this real creativity with how we approach the next few months. The The first thing, the main point of business is making sure my body's feeling good. And I think that's where this instruction of like, yeah, like things have to be feeling good. I have to be really honest with where my body's at um, and not trying to run through injuries and just get this knee feeling good, get the body moving well. And then from there, we're honestly going to totally change up training and I'm kind of excited about it because it's Tell me more. What, like, so tell me what the template for training has been mm-hmm. and what, like when you say change it up, what does that mean? Honestly, that's something that I'm probably not going to talk about here. Um... Because it's like a lot of what we're going to do is very experimental. Um, And we're just honestly going to train for a few months and see how it goes and then race based on that. Um, But yeah, it's the kind of thing where I've always had this thought in my mind that I'm like, I am not a good track runner because... Even though I was good in college, I really struggled with it when I went pro. Um, I got really injured. Um, the just the situation wasn't great for me um, when I was on, in this training group in Boston. And I think I've always had that as like this very like core. I you actually pointed out the other day when we went out on Valentine's Day was um, we didn't talk about that date. We didn't. Yeah, <laughs> we need to talk about that date. But um, our little girls' date. But I think you put it really good that like the stories that I tell myself are very strong in my mind. That like I tell myself these things and I think that they're like true and they're not. And so a lot of the next few months is kind of be like, huh. Well, can we change up that story? Can we change up that narrative and just like have fun with it? Like. I've always told myself, like, you have to be the high mileage girl. You have to be the marathon girl. And it's like, no, I don't. I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. Like, and so that's a little bit of it. It was like, we're just going to completely change things around. Have fun with it. I mean, worst case scenario, what? I don't make another Olympic team. Like, my, the main thing that I was focused on, that's already gone. I've got nothing to lose here. Hell yeah. Yeah. I give you the analogy of almost like you've had this like Tamagotchi that is like, you've been like feeding for years and like, it's just not serving you anymore. And so I'm like, we're throwing out the Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi is fucking broken, (laughs) tossed it in the trash. And it has a lot of narratives we don't need. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm so, I love that you're holding that close to your heart right now of like, Mm -hmm. what is next for you with training with Mm -hmm. this new chapter? Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's a lot of spirit of curiosity and unknown. And And I think it's that it's like not having it like it doesn't need to be anything like if I want to run track I'll run track if I want to run summer road races I'll do that like maybe just screw it just focus on running a fall marathon like it's all these things like it feels like there's a lot of opportunity now of like 
having to let go of this thing that I've been holding on to so tightly feels like I'm like, oh, like there's a lot of other stuff here that I could like, like hold on to and have fun with. Well, one of the markers of like psychological health is psychological flexibility. Mm-hmm. And just I, when I hear you share kind of like this spirit of openness, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much flexibility right now mm-hmm. in your mind mm-hmm. of, as to around like what the future is going to hold. Yeah. And that excites me so much yeah. for you. It's like, it's scary in a way. And I think it was getting over that fear a little bit that it's like, it's so, I think, especially after the marathon, it was like, and I expressed this to you of like feeling like, like I just don't have this foundation. Like I just want something to like grab onto and realizing I'm like, oh, that's kind of this unhealthy thing of like, I always need this like hyper fixation. And it's like, no, I don't like you can just let each moment be what it needs to be of like just training for today of like the goal is just like make tomorrow a little bit better or same thing. Like a workout doesn't need to be this workout is trying to work towards the Olympic team. It's just this workout is trying to do as best as I can do today. Hell yeah. So what, what happened on your Valentine's day? day? Oh, what did we do on Valentine's day, Jules? So we had a little Galentine's day. Jules's uh, main squeeze was off on a business trip. And so we um, went out and grabbed dinner downtown. However, as I should know this better from having lived in Flagstaff for so long at this point, but there is a parking lot downtown with a Bank of America ATM that apparently the entire lot you are not allowed to park in, even the areas that don't have no parking signs. Um, We went and got a lovely dinner at a Thai restaurant, vegan, uh, what is it, Thai red curry vegetarian. Yeah, it was great. First time for both of us. Yeah, absolutely delicious. Had a great conversation about the shows that we need to each watch. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is my new hyperfixation. But we got back and (laughs) my car was booted. Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. So we had to like wait in the car for the lady to show up to unhook the boot. She did not know what she was doing at all. She was new to the job. Yeah. So um, Jules, I feel so honored that that was my most expensive Valentine's Day. And there was no one I would rather spend that money on than you. I was so touched. Definitely. But you did then Venmo me for half the boot, which you weren't supposed to do. I couldn't. I was. The onus was also on me to probably like see the signs that said we shouldn't have parked there. So no way. No I couldn't way. let you get away with paying that like $180 to the boot woman. Oh my God. It was so ridiculous. I was just, I was just like at that point, I'm just like, you know what? It's a sunk cost. It's whatever. Like at least we didn't get towed. That is true. At least we that didn't would have towed. been, that would have sucked. Yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. You inspired me to just start watching it. Um, not usually my wheelhouse, watching things that are that violent or thriller-ish, but <laughs> really enjoy it. I'm so happy that you've been watching it. <laughs> yeah. What like what do you think would draw someone to watch it or how do we pitch it for listeners? Because I feel like it is really good and I feel like people don't really watch Amazon Prime. Yeah. And it's like, it, so uh, I will preface this as I love Donald Glover. Everything he does, like Childish Gambino, I watch all of Atlanta. I am in on Donald Glover. I think he's one of the smartest people in Hollywood. Um, And this show is basically a remake of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Um, but they, it's just so weird and awkward in a lot of ways, but also just so intimate at looking your relationship while also being a spy thriller. I, I love this like dichotomy it's so have. wild. It's it's really, really good. And you as a therapist and me as, I don't know what I am, but like, I feel like both of us just love this like intimate look at a relationship and the realness of it. Like it's, 
it's just such a well done show. I've been loving it. Yeah, it's interesting. It goes like between really moments of s- such tenderness mm-hmm. and like hum- humanness of like, oh, that happens, of course, to any mm-hmm. married couple. And then these moments of like intensity where they're like killing people. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, like throwing people off of buildings and <laughs> there's like snipers. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's such a fun dynamic. And then just the writing is so good. Yes, so good. Okay. So highly recommended if you need a good show to watch on Amazon Prime. Couldn't recommend it enough. Yes, that was a fun little detour. Um, okay, so back to 2020. 24. If we were sitting here like a year from now, mm-hmm. what do you think would make this year really meaningful or really impactful for you? I I think really challenging myself this year to go outside my comfort zone and try things that I have been scared to do in the past and put myself into situations that are kind of new and that I wouldn't have... I don't know, not trusted myself to do, but like, I think it's really important to always keep like pushing yourself in ways. So not to just keep doing the things that I find safe of like just another hilly hard marathon or like long distance races. I think that's a little bit of it of like wanting to put myself in situations that spark growth. Cause I think it's like, I've seen the power of that of just like, Oh, like when you continuously challenge yourself, you rise to the occasion and you might fail, but I think maybe it's that. It's like having now failed at my biggest goal for the year. It's like, okay, like when you fail and you see that like life doesn't end because of it, it's like, oh, like like in a way, like it's just makes it a little bit more fun of just being like, oh, I, I don't have to be scared of this anymore. And if anything, like that's where the growth is going to come from of just like repeatedly failing over and over and over until it somehow goes right. I love that. That Phoenix energy, that's your superpower. I've decided just, just rising from them ashes. I like to think about right now. I'm, um, you know, in Harry Potter, when Fox, the Phoenix like explodes and he's like the ugly little like chick in the ashes. That's me just poking my head out. Like I'm back, bitch. I love that for you. I'm seeing that very much so. Um, speaking of superpowers, we talked about this off air, but I feel like we just need to like own this. Oh my God. I am going to totally call out Jules right now on a superpower that nobody knows about Julia. A few people know. A few people know, but not many. And nobody respect, like people need to respect how crazy this superpower is, but Jules is like a, what would you call it? A, it's called a super recognizer. Okay, so Jules is a super recognizer that I did not know that this was a thing until I met Julia, but Julia has this ability to see a person once in any situation. It could be in a yoga class. It could be in a grocery, in an airplane. If she sees a person once, she will always recognize them and know exactly where she saw them and in what context. And it sometimes gets you into a little bit of trouble. Such as? Yeah, yeah. Like, so we basically got this situation that Jules has run into in Flagstaff where she's convinced. Yeah, so basically when I moved to Flagstaff, there was a woman who worked in the Whole Foods in Flagstaff who I recognized who had worked at a Whole Foods in Boston. Mm. And so like the first week we moved here, you know, like I didn't know anyone. And I remember walking to the Whole Foods and being like, oh my gosh, the same woman who worked at the Boston Whole Foods. Mm. So I went up to her and I was like, hey, like this is going to sound really weird, but did any chance you worked at the Whole Foods on, you know, in Cambridge on Riverside Street? And she was like, yeah. 
and then she got so creeped out and like ran away from me and I felt so bad because I was like I've made this person now feel unsafe in their workplace no I don't so now because I go to Whole Foods like twice a week I now wear a mask and a hat when I go in to not scare her and then funny enough of course Molly's friends with her well so this is the this is my friend Heidi who I but I also knew her from the Whole Foods in In Boston Boston. when I was an Instacart shopper and we had like talked in there and then she moved out to Flagstaff a couple years ago and I was so excited and like was like oh my gosh I can't believe you're in Flagstaff now and she's a big trail runner like she is so nice and so incredible and so I just feel so bad that you like are like worried because I'm sure if you just like explain the situation like this is our public apology to Heidi no this is my thing that I am like I'm gonna like like make this right I'm gonna make it work I'm gonna like explain the situation or just like low-key keep hyping you up to Heidi like whenever I see her that like I'm gonna make this right I'm gonna find a way but like I just find that ability for you to recognize someone like because I'm so bad with faces I'm almost like face blind that like I have the opposite of that so it's like your ability to identify someone from any place is astounding to me. I want to just put a caveat though. I have to actually really take in the face. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm in like a sea of a thousand faces and I just like see all a thousand faces and yeah, I take that would it be in. Overwhelming. It's like I have to have a conversation with you or really like absorb your face. Mm-hmm. And I also realized I have this with animals too, with dogs. Oh, really? I have this. Like I can see photos <laughs> of dogs and then see that dog in real life or remember the dog from where I saw it. Um, I also love dogs, but yeah, it is a little crazy. And Mm -hmm. then it also transcends time. So like I had a girl I went to second grade with Mm -hmm. and I hadn't seen her for years and maybe like two and a half years ago, Tim and I were walking around Fresh Pond in Cambridge Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, that's Daphne who I went to second grade with. Oh my God. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Wait, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That's insane. So my mom thinks I should go into like my next career should be in some type of special. You maybe I'll be Mrs. Smith. Oh my god, <laughs> could you be Mrs. Smith? Like you could be in the CIA. This is all coming because like legitimately, I feel like that is something that like a secret agent would really, really need. I could not. So just so everyone knows, like my threshold for like violence, as I said, is so low. I could definitely not work in this game. But you could be like an intelligence officer. Oh my gosh. And then it would be so low key too, because you're so nice and chill. Like no one would ever assume like you could do it in your yoga classes. Well, we're just telling all our podcast listeners what my next career move is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Oh so, my God. I love this. <laughs> oh okay. my God. Okay. So speaking of your next career move or just life changes, what yeah. is coming up next for you, Jules, as we bring this uh this build-up podcast to a close i know i'm really sad i know i'm just excuse to talk with you can we just like keep it going in a way (laughs) a different a different vein this this will be the end of uh this version of the build-up okay yeah if people have like feedback for us or people want us to continue keep podcasting Mm -hmm. monthly and they feel like they're receiving benefit from it please let us know Mm -hmm. like we we love talking to each other yeah um and I feel like podcasting is my favorite medium to consume. And so mm-hmm. if we're putting some positivity into the universe, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. But next chapter for me, some big changes mm-hmm. um, in 2024. My husband and I are moving actually back to the East Coast, back to the Boston, Cambridge area where I'm from originally because mm-hmm. I'm actually pregnant. <laughs> yeah, um, Molly's going to be an aunt. I'm oh. so excited. I am going to ruin this child. No. Um, and yeah, so I'm from that, that area in Boston. So we're just mm-hmm. moving close to family for support for this next chapter and 
I'll continue teaching yoga, which I do, continue doing mental health therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel it's so bittersweet because yeah. like Flagstaff is such a unique and special place. And mm-hmm. I love getting to live a mile from you. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like super sad and also you know grateful that I'm pregnant too. Mm-hmm. So it's just super mixed. Yeah. I think it's like with all of this, I feel like there's been so many changes for you over the last few months of like getting married and like you're going to be having a baby and like moving back like closer to where you grew up and whatnot. And I feel like that does come with just a lot of mixed emotions around it all. Cause it's like, I mean, you get to be around your family and everything again, but yeah, you're leaving the community here, but you won't get rid of me. It's just an excuse for me to go back to Boston more. <laughs> I also love that our kid is, their due date is very near your birthday. And so <gasps> Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm not going to share the due date publicly in the pod, but I'm happy oh to share God. it off I am the pod. Fingers crossed. You didn't know that? No, I didn't oh. know. I knew it was going to be kind of around the same time, but yeah. I didn't know So exactly. I'm like, that would be pretty cool if they were born on your birthday. And I'm oh like, my- I would want them to have some Molly energy. Oh my, no, you don't want <laughs> What? You oh are like God. the most badass, hardworking person I know. So. I, I don't think you need that amount of like chaos. I hope that your child is like much more like mentally sound. But we were joking today of just like imagining what your child could be and like the hilarity of like imagining your child being like really tall, just like Tim is and being like super into volleyball or basketball or something. Yeah, like just sports like, that are totally in our wheelhouse. Just out of your element. <laughs> yeah. I'm also like any parenting advice, like please, I'm all ears for it. Any books, any maternity clothing you recommend brands, like feel free to DM me. Um, yeah. So taking all the input I can get right now mm. on how to be a parent. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be great. You're going to be so good. Like, I feel like you were like built to be mom oh thank mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. means a lot so when you speak about 2024 shaking things up I just want to like get clear on like are we talking about like you doing the 800 meters are we talking about you running a hundred miler like could you what, imagine like, how much shaking things up are we talking about not that much shaking things up it's um yeah, it's actually funny. I am technically qualified for OCC in Chamonix. Like, oh so gosh. OCC is the shortest of yeah, yeah. like the UTMB championship races. I got an auto qualifier last year when I did that Speed Goat Mountain race. You also like, crushed that Speed Goat Mountain race, let's was, just say. It was very fun, but it's the kind of thing when I finish that, every time I finish a trail race, I tell myself I'm never doing another goddamn trail race. And then I somehow find myself signing up for another one the next year. Wait, tell me why don't you, why do you finish it? And you're like, I don't. Because I hate downhills. This. I hate downhill running. It is the stupidest thing well I think with your new knee I feel like your new regenerative yeah true with this new regenerative therapy on my knee I'm just so bad at running downhill maybe that's my new challenge is learn how to run downhill but it's like trail runners are different built different they have like uh it's like comparing like uh like a Tour de France cyclist with like a competitive like downhill mountain bike true it's completely different oh it's a different sport um But no, I think like potentially trail races for fun, but like realistically, let's be serious here. 10K on the track. Okay. Um, But yeah, we'll see. We're just going to see, kind of like take the spring as it goes. So yeah, I'm also, not. To be clear, you're not running the Boston Marathon. I am absolutely. Okay, not I just need people Marathon. to know that. Did, are I feel like people, people that ask me? Are people thinking that I'm going to run? The I feel Boston like people Marathon? like just assume because you love Boston. Okay, this is my problem <laughs> that I'm like I'm overcoming a little bit of my uh, tiny T trauma around the Boston Marathon of having to drop out at mile 16. I feel like when I go back to Boston, I want to be like. N- not go back to Boston is like a contingency of like my knee broke for the trial. So I'm now I'm doing Boston. Like when I choose to go back to the Boston marathon, 
I want to be ready to like. You're going to slay. Well, like I want to be going into that thing feeling like full tilt, like ready to podium at that thing. So it's like, this is not the year for it. Sorry, guys. We're just put, push that off. That is way too soon to be running a marathon. Exactly. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I respect the Boston Marathon enough to not just like try to half-ass it. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, whoa, that was my dog's hanging out with us. Bodhi, Bodhi is very unhappy that we haven't um, paid any attention I know, to him. But you're doing so good. But okay, I'm going to make a goal for you in 2024 if that's mm. okay. Oh, Feel I free to make this. one for me. Yeah. And I've said this at the beginning of the pod and I'm, I'm going to keep manifesting this. I want you on the Armchair Expert pod. So oh my God. Dax and Monica, anyone who knows them, please invite Molly and then invite me as her manager. Okay, actually, because, no, this is going to be our goal like, that we both make it on. There. No, I don't. Okay, actually, no, because you're going to have like a new infant, so I wouldn't put that on you. No, no, I will come. Like, I don't, I, I will bring the baby. Like, I just <laughs> want to watch you get to be celebrated by them because mm-hmm. you and I both listen to a lot of Armchair Expert, you even more so than me. Yeah. That podcast. And I feel like it's been such a pillar for you mm-hmm. in your life over the past year. Yeah. Um, almost like another relationship. You know what it, I mean? It, like, honestly, it, like feel, a friendship. it feels like a real parasocial relationship <laughs> of being like going on and like listening to them so much. I think I'm in like the top 0.05 of listeners in the that's country. Scary. That's really, that, like, that's a worrying amount of listening to them. I've been trying to branch out a little bit. Um, so yeah, we're just, put, I'm putting that out there as a manifesting, this is going to happen in 2024. Love that. I got to, I got to work really hard. You don't, you don't need to work hard. You actually need to work easy. Work easy. We're like loosen it up. We're going to feather the throttle a little bit. Like I just like glide on it. Go run a hundred miles. Like, I don't know, do something totally like <laughs> different. You're going to do great. Yeah. But yeah, we're manifesting it. I'm trying to think of like a good goal. I feel like you've got so many things that are like, you have so many stressful things coming up um, just because like, let's normalize that like pregnancy is hard. <laughs> I know it's a beautiful, magical time, but it all is also difficult as fuck. Um, and so like, I feel like I don't want to, I want to like manifest something like positive for you that doesn't require like too much effort. Um, I, what would be like, what's something really fun that like, you, I guess that's it. It's like, what do you really want out of this next year other than like pushing a human out of your body? <laughs> I really want to reconnect to music. So, oh, yeah. I was like a music major in college. I yeah. studied ethnomusicology. I grew up singing. Mm-hmm. It's something I miss so much singing. Yeah. And I don't like performing. Like I love just singing in a choir. Like mm-hmm. I love singing with people. I love jamming out. And yeah. it's just something, something I feel like I've gotten really disconnected from mm-hmm. as other interests and professional life stuff has gotten the way. Yeah. And so like, I was even like, I, I used to go to concerts like all the time. Um, I was, yeah, I would spend all my money on going to concerts. Yeah. I've seen almost every single person who I love as an artist I've seen in concert. Mm-hmm. Some like nine times, like Trevor Hall. But um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to manifest just like more music in my life. And I yeah. think having a kid also, I mean, you get lots of music through your kid and mm-hmm. singing yeah, to your singing kid. But, and whatnot. Yeah. I think like, I feel like that's my, that's what I'm hoping for you that like, despite all of these changes going on in your life, like that you are able to carve out this time and like cultivate this musicality again in your life and like reconnect to that. And even like, 
see, this is a good excuse for me to come out to Boston now too, that I can like just babysit for <laughs> babysit for a little while and you guys can like go to a concert. I love that. Or we can hire a babysitter and then we can go to the concert oh. or we leave Tim at home. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dad say. duty. Let's do that. But car uh, doesn't get booted. Yes. We're going to, we're going to do another Galatine's no car booting this time. That, that's called growth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything we want to leave listeners with any, anything um, you want to leave people with? I think I'll leave. Thank you to everybody for listening to this journey. Like, honestly, when we started this, we did not know whether or not, like how people would take it, like whether it would gain any traction. And I have been so blown away by just the reception of people, how positive people have been. And just like, thank you guys for sharing your ears and your time with us. It's been really special. And obviously like, I think even though, it would have been so nice to be able to put the nice tidy little bow of like make the marathon Olympic team. Like everything's happy. We built it up. Yay. I almost think that this was a much more real journey on this. And you guys kind of really saw how, how things break down, how things fall apart sometimes. And just the process of having to move on through that and keep moving forward. And so I appreciate everybody just sticking with the messiness of it. And I appreciate you sticking with the messiness of it. Like just how you've shown up in this space and been really vulnerable mm-hmm. and really brought your full self here and also set boundaries. And when you needed to in January, yeah. like, I just think that people, I know it's been a privilege for me to continue to get to learn from you as your, one of your dearest friends, mm-hmm. but I know also listeners just feel like they've gotten to learn so much from you. So thank you, Molly. Yeah. Thank you, Jules, for doing that. I mean, this wouldn't have happened without you. Like this was all Jules's idea to get this going. And I really appreciate you taking the reins on all of this and really like putting in so much work to make this happen. And just an excuse to get to hang out with you more. I know this is so fun. I like, that's what I'll miss. I just like miss getting to like come over to the house and hang out and, and drink seltzer. And you know, I'm sorry. Fun. We don't have many good beverages here. No, this is delicious. <laughs> um, no, this has just been such a fun, positive experience. Love, love you. I love you too. Yeah. And people let us know what, like, if you feel like this chapter is complete from hearing from us, if you want to hear more from us in a different iteration, we're, mm-hmm. we're all yours. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Peace out. Peace, baby. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to our final episode of The Build Up, a Beyond the Pines production. It has been such a joy and privilege to share these conversations with Molly. A huge thanks to John Summerford for music and audio production. Thank you for tuning in these past six months. Be well, and we wish you happy and healthy running and living. Mm